His name was Charles C. Roberts. And he walked into a little schoolhouse with little Amish girls and he unloaded his gun on ten victims. Many of which died that very day. The heinousness of the act is only trumped by the power of the Amish community and what they did afterwards. That very same day, people from the Amish community were over that man's house to comfort his family. Shocking. They actually, even though the Amish have a a strict um, belief system to never accept donations, they opened up to take donations in favor of this family so that they could put the pieces of their lives back together. Where does forgiveness like that come from? Where does one, is it just a cultural thing to see your little daughter's literally in their own blood, and then on the very same day to go to that person's house and extend forgiveness? Is that a cultural thing? Where does that come from? Is it the natural inclination of the human heart? Where does that come from? Is it somebody's great idea? Where does that kind of forgiveness come from. God knows that every one of us, while may not while we may not go through the kind of trauma that that community went through, there's going to be wounds and hurts and harms and difficulties that come our way that are going to demand the same response. One of forgiveness, one of mercy. But that doesn't come very naturally, does it? I mean, I know when I'm hurt and when I'm wounded, the last thing I want to run to is forgiveness. The last thing that I want to pursue is mercy. And yet, God knows that every one of us will experience wounds, harms, and hurts And he wants us to respond with forgiveness. Now this is really, really important. The subject that we're talking about is very, very important because past hurts harm present relationships. You do understand that, don't you? Right? So say uh, you have a girlfriend, right? Little Carmen, right? And little Carmen runs off with your friend, right? Uh, Tony over there, right? And then what happens? 30 years later, you're married for 15, 20 years, and all of a sudden you're giving, not all of a sudden, but you consistently give your wife the third degree. Why? Why? Because past harms or past hurts affect present relationships. Dad did something 
that was very painful, very difficult, wasn't trustworthy. And now you grow up thinking that all men aren't trustworthy and will only bring you pain. Past harms affect present relationships. Mom continued to run to the medicine cabinet to try to alleviate some of the tensions that she experienced and you find yourself over-medicating in a dozen different ways. Because past harms affect present relationships. That's the truth of life that you don't have to be a Christian to know. That's the truth of life that comes to all of us. If you can't stand God and are here because you were invited and I can't wait for me to be quiet. If you, if you came here just because you're dragged here by people that you love and you want to keep peace in the house. I mean, we all come here for different reasons, right? I know. I, I'm not silly about it. My point that I'm making is that you could, have want, nothing, you could want nothing to do with God and, and come away knowing that that's true. That past harms affect present relationships. And so because we go through that, we go through harms that have been done to us throughout our lives. In this incredible prayer that we've been looking at for the last, now it's six weeks, Jesus inserts an impossible prayer, a scary prayer, a prayer that many of us will not want to pray. pray. A prayer that many of us would just as soon skip over then pray. And it's simply this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's a tiny prayer, but it has profound implications, doesn't it? Today, as we look at it, and, and you know, different translations have... Uh, you know, forgive us our debts, forgive us our sins, forgive us our wrongs, forgive us our trespasses. But all of them get at this concept that there are things done to us that have wounded us, that have scarred us deep, that we cannot seem to find a way to get over. And God says, I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to pray this prayer because you're going to have to live this prayer. And I want you to get it right in prayer first. Now, I know in a room with this many people in it, this hits us in a thousand different ways. And so I want to speak very sensitively today. I'm going to ask you to just kind of, listen, don't shut me off. Don't say, no not listening to this. You don't know what they've done to me. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't know how they harmed me. You don't know. I know. Or maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. What I'm saying is, would you just give God a fair hearing? Listen, this is going to be over sooner than you think, and you'll be out those doors, and you do with whatever you want with this message. But my, my request, and I have, right, I have... I have no right to make this request, but I'll make it anyway. Would you just make yourself available to God's word and open yourself up to hear God's word and see what he would say about this issue? 
We have a tradition in our church. We stand uh, during the reading of God's Word because we want to we let our bodies know, our minds know, that when we read God's Word, there's something very, very powerful. Very powerful. And different and other than. So we're going to read the entirety of the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father, but we're going to focus on a very small portion of it. Some of you don't even need the screen behind me, right? You know the prayer, right? If you've never been to church, you know this prayer. And so um, we'll look at it together. We'll look at it together. On the count of three. One, two, three. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be. But deliver us from evil. This is God's word. Please have a seat. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This this prayer is such a radically powerful prayer. Because this issue of forgiveness is not an emotionally neutral issue. This issue of forgiving others is not just a theoretical concept in many of our lives. The fact is, many of us right now, where we sit, we are struggling with those who have harmed us and those who have wounded us. And many of us are still struggling with the consequences of that harm. And it's in the middle of that, in the middle of your life, in the middle of my life, where God asks us and forgive us our debts. Think about this prayer. Hey God, I want you to learn from me. I want you to forgive me my debts, but I don't want you to forgive me my debts the way you want to forgive my debts. I want you to forgive my debts. I want you to watch me. I want to disciple you. Watch the way I forgive them. Now forgive me the same way. It's madness. But there it is. Forgive us our debts as We forgive our debtors. That's crazy. I don't want God to forgive me the way I forgive other people. In fact, I would like God to do the exact opposite. I want God to forgive me in His way because He's beloved and He's gracious and He's merciful. I want Him to forgive me like He he showed by sending His Son to die for my sin, to go on the cross, to bleed for my penalty, to die and raise from the dead for my forgiveness. That's the way I want God to... I don't want you to take a cue from me. And God is going, Right. Right. And that's the point. Edwin, how could you receive? God, you can't ask me to do this. You can't ask me. You, you know what they, you know better than me what they did to me. You can't ask me to forgive them. They hurt. 
Edwin, forgive him like I forgave you. It leads to so many different emotions that come up because it hits us, right, in so many different areas. God says, pray this and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How could God be just and ask us to pray such a prayer? Well, the first thing that I would say is that this is not the first thing that God wants us to pray. Let's do a quick recap. God says, call me Pop. Sit on my lap. Call me Father. Our Father. Sit on my laps. Tell me your hopes and dreams. Tell me the difficulties and the struggles that you have. Tell me of the things that are deep within your heart. Your insecurities, your fears, your struggles, your goals and your dreams. Tell me because I'm your Father. And as we pray, Father, and we see Him as holy, hallowed be thy name. We say, as we trust Him as Father, Thy kingdom. We say, God, we've been doing it our way for too long. We don't want my kingdom. We want Thy kingdom. Your purposes, Your decrees, Your rule. Let that be. And then we, after we pray, Our Father, hallowed be Thy name, we pray Thy kingdom. Thy will. God, not what I want, not what I feel like, not what is most convenient for me. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Then God asked us to pray, Give us this day our daily bread. That we can trust God for our provisions day in and day out. You know, it's interesting to me that there's a connector between give us and forgive us. There's a connection. Do you see it? Give us this day our daily bread and while you're giving us, don't forget this. Give us this day our daily bread and let me tell you something. The genius of this prayer is, of course, in the words that it says, but in the order that it's in. Because for many of you, you say, I can't forgive. They've done to me too much harm. They've wounded me. And, and God would say, well, it's because you haven't prayed give us yet. You've got to pray give us before you can pray forgive us. God, give us this day the forgiveness that we need. Remind us this day of your bestowing forgiveness upon our lives to the degree that it overflows in the lives of others. Give us comes first. That's the first secret that we learn. That this is in the middle of a prayer, practically at the end of the prayer. And God is talking to his children. So if you don't know Christ... If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, if He's not the King of kings and the Lord of lords, if He hasn't saved you, redeemed you, forgiven you, then this is not a prayer you can pray because it starts with Father. And with a perfect Father, you can trust. But, uh, so we're not doing this on our own strength. 
We're doing it in His. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How can we kind of extend that forgiveness to others? Well, here it is. If you're a Christian, you've been forgiven a great deal. The only way, as a Christian, you see other people as worse than you is if you don't understand the gospel. I've never laid eyes on a person worse than me. Never. You know how wicked my heart is? You know how terrible my intentions are? Even my good intentions have bad intentions behind them. I'm so wicked, the only way God could redeem me is by sending His Son to die on the cross for me and giving me a new life to the degree that God calls it, you got to be born again. Because that old you has to die. That's how wicked I am. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. Wicked. Without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, without the salvation that comes in Christ Jesus, without the Father's mercy in sending the Son, I am wicked and self-centered and want nobody's good but my own. And so God says, forgive us and forgive us our debts as we forgive. The reason that the Christian can forgive is because of that first part. God has forgiven our debts. See, I don't want you to hear this sermon as saying, bad Christian, forgive. Bad Christian, extend mercy. Bad Christian, try harder. You can't. And that's the point. The point is is that we have received a forgiveness that is so profound and overflowing that it extends to the lives of others. We don't forgive in our own strength. We forgive as an overflow of the forgiveness that we've received. Could you imagine? Could you imagine someone owing you or you owing someone $10 million and then them taking your house and taking your stuff and taking everything that belongs to you and now you have to you know, uh, you know, you have to do a prison term because of the amount of money that it is. And someone stepping in and saying, no, 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 I'll pay. And I don't want you to take their house. I want you to take my house. I don't want them to go to jail. I'll go to jail. I want you to take their stuff. You take my stuff. You have a picture of the gospel. And then imagine leaving that court thing, right? That court appearance after three years of stress of, oh my gosh, they're taking everything and, oh, you, you know, you're trying to plan for your future. You don't know how you're going to live now. Imagine after that stress, you walk out of that court and someone owed you $33. And you go, that's it. We're going to the courthouse right now. That's insane, isn't it? Jesus gives the parable and says, that's what you look like. That's what you look like when you don't forgive others. 
Jesus extends the parable about the, the unmerciful servant. And he says this. He says the same concept that we're talking about here. That the forgiven person forgives. That, by the way, is today's big idea. That's what you need to leave with. That if you have been forgiven by the blood of Christ, in other words, that he died on the cross sacrificially to pay the penalty for your sins, if you have in fact known the mercy of God, that there is an overflow of that mercy and forgiveness that does not stay in and of itself by itself, but actually overflows on the lives of everyone around you. You know, people who say, you know, I don't know how to be a father because I never had a father. There's those. And there are other people who say, I don't know how to be a mom. I've never, been a mom. I've never had a mom. There are those. And, and there are other people who say, I don't know how to be a good friend. I've never had a good friend. There are those. But there can be no Christian who ever says, I don't know how to forgive because I've never been forgiven. That Christian does not exist. That Christian, to be a Christian is, in fact, to experience the freeing of the penalty of our sin. You see, it is us that owe God the $10 million, and it is others, no matter how horrible it's been. Others, whoever has sinned against us, they have been one sinner sinning against another sinner. They've been one sinner sinning against another sinner. But when you and I have sinned against God, we've sinned against the one who created us, who wants nothing but good for us, who wants, our, who wants do, to do nothing but love us and redeem us and draw us to himself to bring us into heaven, to spend time with us forever. When we sin against God, we sin against the only one who has treated us perfectly and we have spit in the face of his mercy. Beloved, you owe more than your owed. And it's with that overflowing sense of I've been forgiven. Jesus, I don't deserve that kind of forgiveness. He goes, I know. I'm showing you something. I'm giving you a gift and I'm showing you something. I'm forgiving you of your sins and I'm teaching. Listen, no one on this planet should be as forgiving as the Christian. As the Christ follower. As the one who's been redeemed. No one. Your household should be the most overflowing of mercy and forgiveness. You go, it's not. All right, well, that's why we're here today. So let's look at the text. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Interesting word that's used here. Debts. Why debts? Here's why. Because God knows that when you sin against another person or when another person sins against you, there's a new, cre- a new relationship that's created. It's a debtor-debtee relationship. In other words, there is an amount now that is owed. When you sin against me, you have, in, you have opened an account, you have opened a, a, a ledger in my book, you now owe me something. If you sin against me, something is simple. You said you're going to be there at 10, and you show up at 10.30. You owe me. What do you owe me? You owe me 30 minutes. 
That's what you owe me. You see, when there's a sin against me, God knows that there's a debtor debty relationship that's opened up. That's why he says, and forgive us our what? Debt. Trespasses or debts. It's a debt we owe. Now, you know this. You know this without ever being taught this. You know this without ever anybody saying this. In fact, we know this so well that we have verbiage for it. We actually have language for it in America. If someone hurts me, I say this. I say, you owe me an apology. Why? Because I know that there's a debtor debty relationship that's been opened. You owe me an apology. If I'm really super angry and I really have a lot of rage in me about the, the, the hurt that's been given me, I say this, I'll pay you back. Why do we say that? I'll pay you back. Because inside, we know, we never had to be taught that when you sin against me, there is a ledger that is open. There is an account that is open. There is a new relationship that has been birthed. You are in debt to me. You are the debtor. I am the debtee. You owe me something. Now, some of them are small. And we, we chalk them up as losses. We don't really forgive, but we chalk them up as losses. And then some of them we carry with us our whole lives. See, it's kind of like this. It's like in life, we walk around with a ledger book. And when someone harms us, when someone wounds us, when someone does something to us, what we do is we open the books. Uh huh. And we write their name. Let's say it's husband. And the date. Let's say January 15th. 14. What do they owe you? They owe you Valentine's Day flowers that they completely forgot to get. Now, whenever husband walks through the door, you go, hey husband, how you doing? Is everything okay? Oh, everything's good for you? Well, I'm glad everything is good for you. Because you want to ask me how I'm doing? Not so good. Do you forget? I don't forget. It's right here. For those of you who are on our audio, I have a book that's open, the ledger book, and I've written all that we've just talked about down. Now, here's my point. This is funny on the stage, but some of you have been living like this in your marriage for 20 years. 
and your book is bigger than mine. (laughs) And so we live with there something being between us. Now, we don't talk about it. We don't bring it up in polite company. We certainly don't, you know, we try. You know, when it comes up, we go, we go like this. We put our finger there. We go like that. And we go, okay, fine. Let's do life. And you do life and you go on through life. And then something else comes up. And you write it down. And you look up and you go, oh, that's right. Valentine's Day. And you're in an argument, and you go, you know you always, you know you never, you know you forever. You know, this is just like you. <laughs> and we got a finger on the thing. And so, so, you know, we act like it doesn't exist. We act like it's okay. Everything is fine. Hey, you know, one month passes, two months passes, three months passes, ten years pass. But we got our finger on the ledger. And at the appropriate time, We will be opening that book up and reminding you of what you owe. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those, or as we forgive our debtors. But the fact is, is that this kind of living, listen to me, most people in the world live like this. Most people in the world are wounded by this. Right now, Some of your relationships are suffering because this is how you live. When was the last time you talked to your sister? Oh, it's been like six years. Why? Well, I don't remember, but I know she did something. When was the last time you talked to your pop? Well, you know, he left when we were young. I'm not pursuing a relationship with that guy. Why? You know what he did to us? I know. I know. You live with your books open. And it's hurting you. Remember what we said at the beginning? That our past hurts affect our present relationships. And the question we have to ask at, this, at the juncture of this prayer, at this juncture of the prayer, we must ask, Are we going to pray as Jesus taught us to pray and live as Jesus taught us to live as a result of that prayer? Or are we going to live with our books opened? Think about this. There are some of you, think about this, there are some of you who can't trust the person that you're with not because of anything that they've done, but because of what you experienced back here 14 relationships ago. 30 years gone. There are some of us here who are making decisions that are going to affect the rest of our lives, not because it makes sense, but because of the wounds that have happened in the past. God says, I don't want you to live like that. Forgive us our debts. God, as you... God, give us, (laughs) give us this day, our daily bread. Give us what we need. So, Lord, remind me of the forgiveness that you give. And let that forgiveness extend, overflow, fall onto others. Now, 
this is a good moment to pause and just kind of... Can I talk to those of you who... There are a bunch of you here who are kind of kicking the Christian tires, you know, and just kind of checking out, you know, hey, you don't necessarily go to church, you're spiritual, you're not religious, I get that. And, and, and I just want to talk to you. What I'm saying here only finds its basis in Christ. In fact, you would be hard-pressed to find a culture. There are some cultures and languages that don't even have a word for forgiveness. It never comes into play. The only reason that you know and you believe that forgiveness is a good idea is because you grew up in a country that has actually looked to the Bible at times for daily uh, behavior. And so, but it's hard. It's hard to rationalize forgiveness outside of a directive of Christ. Because the fact is that they've harmed you. And there's no real basis. On what basis will you forgive if not for what Christ has done for you? So for those of you who are there, I'm not, listen, I'm, A, I'm not making fun of you. For most of my life, I was just like you. Most of my life, I did not follow Christ. B, I want to give you a better picture of life that's not found in your willpower or being nice or being good. I want you to see life not as a morality game, but as a receiving grace. A reception of Christ into your life as he dies for your sins, pays the penalty, rises from the dead, and gives forgiveness that you do not deserve. So, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? With this book that's opened? Well, what we do is, firstly, we go back to God's Word and we say, forgive us our debts. We are reminded of all that God has done. So, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to give you a little bit of direction. Listen to me. In the end... This is what you need to know about this sermon. Forgiven people, forgive. That's what you need to know. That if you are forgiven, you forgive. If, you're not been, if you've not been forgiven, then please don't forgive. But if you're forgiven by Christ, then forgive. And if you're not forgiven, ask God for mercy. He'll pour it out on your life. So, what I want to do is I'm going to, I'm going to spend the rest of trying to be as practical as I can in helping you live this out. So, what I need you to do is I need you to write down the next four statements, I'm going to, five statements I'm going to tell you. The reason that you need to write it down is because the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. And so, just write down what I'm about to share with you. Not because it's mine, but because it comes out of God's Word. So here it is. The first thing is meditate on the Gospel. Meditate on the Gospel. Would you just write that down? Meditate on the Gospel. Meditate on the Gospel. We have people walking around with pencils if you need it, um, so that you could... Okay. What does it mean to meditate on the Gospel? If you meditate on the Gospel, you are being reminded of what's been done for you. And again, do you remember what we said? No one has ever 
harmed us like we've harmed God. No one has ever owed us like we've owed God. No one has ever sinned against us like we've sinned against God. Nobody has. So, meditate on the gospel. Here's what that looks like for me. That looks like the first part of the prayer. Our Father. And just go, oh my goodness. Father, you've forgiven me my sin. But you haven't forgiven me my sin like winked at sin and said, eh, no big deal. You've forgiven me my sin by sending your son to pay the penalty for my sin. To, to sell his house and be taken to jail and have to owe all that money. You've done that for me in Christ on the cross. By sending That's an amazing forgiveness. Listen to me. You're not ready to go forward until the thought of that makes the hairs on your arms stand up. It's extraordinary. God has forgiven me. So I meditate on the gospel. I think about how much I've been forgiven. And if you're not sure, just think about the stuff. If you're a Christian, think about the stuff that's been in your closet for years. You know what I mean by in your closet? Like the bones, the skeletons, the graveyards for some of you, right? Um, That have been in your closet that you don't want to share with anyone. That God knows, but you don't want to share with anyone else. That sin, if you're in Christ, you've been forgiven. That's amazing. Not because you're any good, because we're not. Not because you deserve it, because we don't. Not because we merit God's mercy and He owes it to us, because He doesn't. But because God has so richly and so freely loved you that He's bestowed that upon you. And at a high price. His Son coming down. I don't know. I don't know that we meditate on that enough. Dads, look at me. How much would it take for you to offer up your son to do a life sentence for your enemy? What would that take for you to do? I don't got it in me. I think of Edwin. I think of David, my sons. I don't got it in me. For people I like, I don't have it in me. For the closest people to me, I don't have it in me. I could not offer my son for you. I couldn't do it. I might be able to offer myself up for you if I love you, if you're very close to me. Not my son. No. God did that for you. And he did it while we were his enemies. He did it while we thumbed our nose at Him. He did it while we were still sinning against Him. He did it while we were still turned our back and said, God, you don't satisfy me. I think I'll run to that. In that moment, God gives, extends, pays the price for, bestows forgiveness. Meditate on the gospel. If we're going to forgive, we're going to need to be reminded how forgiven we are. Because when you understand that you've been forgiven all of this, it's easier. It's not easier. It overflows. It's natural. It's organic. It's not something you have to do. It's something that naturally happens. Meditate on the gospel. Second thing that I want you to do is I want you to answer this question. So, who owes me? 
Who owes me? Answer that question. Who is it that owes you? Now, here's the thing, right? Some of you are sitting down with the person that you think owes you. He's talking about you. I don't want you to do that. I want you to really think, who owes you? Who owes you? Listen to me. The temptation when you hear a sermon like this is to think of the people that you're really upset with within the last two weeks. Right? The Valentine's just happened and some of you guys blew it. All right, now that's the one, right? And so, and then, you know, for other people. So what you do is you look at a 20 feet radius of your life. You look at, like, you look at the people around your life, like right now, and you go, oh, 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 my boss. Oh, 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 my sister. Oh, oh, you know, you know, right? And you do that. That's not very helpful. What I want you to do is I want you to go a couple of seasons of life back. I want you to check out a couple of seasons ago and find out those those real deep wounds. Now, you can add all those other people that we just talked about, but I, 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 I almost dare you to just look back. Who owes you? Now, a lot of people, when I, um, when I, when I walk them through this process that I'm walking you through, what they say is, no, 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 I forgot. I was like, hey, didn't you say that your father went to jail and he didn't show up for like eight years? And wasn't that like from like 10 to 17? It was pretty, you know, formative years of, oh, yeah, yeah, but I've forgiven him. And I always ask the same question. I go, well, how'd you do that? I just did. I go, no, you haven't. No, you haven't. You just, I, I don't, you are lying and you're lying to yourself. That's the worst kind of lying. You're lying to yourself. You have not forgiven. When people say that, it's like saying, I don't forgive nobody. Because that's the way I hear it. I go, no, 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 you, you have no clue. If you've not gone through a process of forgiveness, there's no way. You just haven't done it. There's a process. We need to go through a process. And I'm giving you the process, so don't make it hard on yourself. Write down who owes you. Oh, but I don't like the way they say they owe me. Get over the verbiage. Whatever you want to put in that place, write down who owes you? Who has sinned against you? Who has harmed you? Who has hurt me? Who has done me wrong? I don't care how you put it. I just care that you put it down. Write their names down. American Express has a way of identifying you when you owe them money. They go like this. They go, oh, 0625432221? That's me. Yes, you owe us $323.15. They know who you are and they know what you owe, which leads us to the third thing. What do they owe me? What do they owe me? What is it? Who owes me and what do they owe me? Now, as you're doing this, it's not, this is tough to do. You can't do it in just a service like this. So what I want you to do is I want you to buy like a marble notebook. Someone say marble notebook. Yeah, those simple notebooks that you get your kids, and it's like 99 cents, and if you get them just before school, they send them for 10 cents. They're like nothing, right? Um, get yourself a marble notebook, and then for each person that owes you, write the name on the top of the page, then skip a couple of pages and write the next one, or skip one full page, and on the next one, write the next name. 
Now, when it comes to what they owe you, I want you to write down and be specific. Be as specific as you can. I've already given you some examples, such as if you had an arrangement with me or a date with me or we were going to meet somewhere together and we said at 10 a.m. we're meeting at so-and-so and you show up at 30, at 10.30, then you owe me 30 minutes. That's what you owe me. There's 30 minutes of my life that was spent here waiting for you. You owe me 30 minutes. Now, I've got to forgive that. Now, the point is, i got to know what you owe me in order to forgive it. So, here's, it's like this. What do they owe me, right? So, say for instance, right, let, let, let's take a very, very, very sensitive subject. Let's say, dad. Dad wasn't there. Dad was, you know, he was there, but he wasn't there, or he was abusive, or whatever it was, right? He broke out, he came back, I don't care. But dad somehow wounded you, right? Say, for instance, one day, dad knocks on your door. And you go, man, I haven't seen my dad in 40 years. That's fine. Um, I haven't seen my dad in 10 years. That's fine. I'm just, use your imagination. You open the door, shocked and surprised to see him standing there. He has tears rolling down his face, and he's saying, I've just surrendered my life to Christ. He saved me, and I recognize the harm that I've done to you. How can I make this right? And you're standing there with your ledger book open, because you know exactly what he means. He does owe you. He's harmed you in horrible ways. And you're looking at the column where it says, what's he owe you? And you're going, I don't know. I've never thought about that. I've been too busy being bitter and hating you to ever think about you being able to make this right. But let's say we actually did take a few minutes to think about what they owed me. So I had a dad who left by the time I was 11 years old. He broke out. He came back uh, maybe uh, two or three times. And then, you know, he was basically out of my life. And interestingly enough, do you know when I started to smoke cigarettes? 11. By the time I was 12. Like, it just got all crazy after 11 because he wasn't around. And I didn't, I didn't benefit from his wisdom or his discipline or his. So what does he owe me? Well, it's, it's this. You, well, you owe me wisdom. You owe me, you owe me 11 through 21. Those are real formative years. You owe me discipline. I would have never, never tried half the stuff if I knew I would have had to come home to you. I'm still afraid of my father. I'm 40 years old. I think I can take him now. I'm still afraid of my father. Right? Listen, never would have tried that stuff if it wasn't for you, if you were, if you were around. You owe me, you owe me uh, the wisdom that you earned through life that you could have given to me so that I could avoid. You owe me some mistakes that I made that you could have easily helped me navigate through. What? Is it that they owe you? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you had a marriage. And maybe 
they said, till death do we part, and six years later, you are alone again. And, and, and what do they owe you? Well, you owe me a first marriage. You owe me my purity. What do they owe you? I don't know what they owe you. You know. What do they owe you? The person who manipulated you to go into that room and then lock the door and terrible things happened, what do they owe you? Maybe they owe you a healthy view about sex because you were skewered in your view about sex as a direct result of that. Maybe they owe you your purity. Maybe they owe you your innocence. I don't know. What do they owe you? First thing we do is we meditate on the gospel. We're reminded of how deeply we're forgiven. The second thing that we do is that we ask the question, who owes me? The next thing that we do is that we say, what do they owe me? The fourth thing, write this one down. We cancel the debt. We forgive them. We cancel the debt. We forgive them. Now, here's the deal, folks. At this point, there is such a pushback. There are so many people like, oh, no, I can't do that. There's no way. Now you're asking me to do too much. Listen to me. Listen to me. We start with meditating on how much we've been forgiven. We're going through a process here. Imagine back with me, back to that knock on the door. Dad is there, his tears streaming down his face, saying, I know Christ, how can I make this right? You're there with your ledger book, opened. You're there. Dad, on second thought, you can't make it right. You can't give me 13 again. You can't give me my purity again. You can't give me the wisdom that I needed as a teenager. You can't give me the 80s again. Like, what could you do? You, can, you can't. You cannot. You owe a debt that can never be repaid. You can't give me security back. I, I grew up in a very insecure place as a direct result of your leaving. I grew up in extreme poverty because you left. You can't give me that back. At which point God goes, you're on to something. At which point God says, now you understand. Because God goes, hey listen, I got an idea. Since he can never pay you back, since he can never give you the 80s back, since you can never receive what he took from you, since that can never ever be paid, it is a debt that is too great. It is something that they owe. They can never give you that night back. They can never give you that purity back. It will never happen. They can never pay you back. God says, I got an idea. Why don't you... Cancel the debt. 
Since they can't pay you back, since there's no way they can give you back what they took from you, I have an idea. Why don't you cancel the debt? Since the person that is going to be suffering with the pain of that debt is not going to be them. Since it's going to be you and I, your heavenly Father, love you like I do. Beloved, stop hurting yourself again. I can't forgive. Of course you can't. That's why we started with meditating on the gospel. You are going to forgive out of the overflow of God's forgiveness in your life. I'm not asking you to do something. I'm asking you to receive something to the overflowing to pour into someone else. They don't deserve it. Neither do you. You've missed the message. You don't deserve the mercy that God has bestowed upon you. You have sinned far greater to Him than you could ever, anyone has ever sinned to you. You, beloved, don't deserve it. But you've been given it. So as we receive, we overflow in that forgiveness to others. Since they can never pay you back, since they can't give you the purity back. Listen, listen, listen. Some of you, okay. Let's try this, okay? Some of you are in marriages right now. I'll just look down because I know a bunch of you. And so you'll think, oh, he's, he's putting my laundry out. And so, okay, so some of you right now are in marriages where the trust has been fractured. And it was fractured a dozen years ago. It was fractured five months ago. But it was like, you know, it was fractured, and that's what happened. And what happens is, is that you, 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 you can't seem to get past that. And you decided that you're going to stay in the marriage for the sake of the kids or whatever, you're going to, you know, whatever your ideas are. You decided that you're going to, and you are deeply wounded. And you're, you're not able to forgive. And you say, beloved, I want you to go through this process. Meditate on the gospel. God, he, she, they do not owe me like I owed you. I owe you more than I could ever pay. Who are they? What do they owe you? Cancel the debt. Now listen. You say, I can't. I just... I'm torn between being very strong in this sermon and just being pastoral. And, but I just, I almost, when you say, I can't, I, I almost want to take out a, I want to take out a calendar and say, do me a favor then. Would you mark the date on the calendar when you're going to? When are you going to do it? How long are you going to stay in this prison? How long are you going to stay stuck in this place? How long are you going to stay responding to the wounds of the past? How long are you going to... Listen, how long are they going to get you? How long? You put the date on the calendar. I won't put the date on. You put it on. Put it on. Put it on. It can be today by the power of God. Only He can do it. So... My prayer is that you would receive that. Now, I'm going to share with you one uh, component, another component to this. But before I go on, I want you to hear a testimony of someone who had to experience 
giving forgiveness to a person who had harmed them. And um, so I want you to give your attention uh, to Chris. This is me and my father when I was a baby. I love, I love looking at this picture and looking at him looking down on me. You know? His name was Henry Hook. When I was young, I thought that was a really cool name, Henry Hook. I even have a tattooed on my arm. He was a fireman and a construction worker. And when I was little, I wanted to be just like him. Before I was born, he killed somebody by accident, and and, and he lived with this overwhelming guilt. He was angry, hurt. He was an alcoholic, a womanizer. And one day, when I was 12 years old, he left. the guy that left. This is the guy that abandoned me and my mother and my sister. This is the guy that made my mother work three jobs. This is the guy that because she worked three jobs, she dropped me off at a place where people do really bad things to me. My mother cried every night. She became resentful. She became bitter. She lost her faith in love. And I never, ever wanted to be like him. I hated him. I hated everything about him. And I wished that he was dead. When I was 19 years old, streets, I was using drugs, I had nowhere left to turn, and I got a phone call from my father. I haven't heard from him in years, and and he told me that he was sick, and that he wanted me to come home. And I thought, like, I know this guy, you know, I hate this guy. For what? He deserved to die. But I figured, why not? nowhere else to go, and life had taken me to a place that, that I had nowhere left to turn, so, and, uh, I went, I went, I went to his house, and, and, and he was dying, he had a couple months left to live, and, and, uh, he moved in to a stranger's house, someone that I hated from the bottom of my heart. One night in the middle of the night, I heard him crying. I heard him yelling out my name. And, and, and I, I got up, and I peeked into the room. And he was crying, and he was wasting away. And I went to the bathroom, and I said, God, please give me the strength to help this man. 
after that I, I washed him and I rubbed his head and I told him that everything was going to be okay. We both know it was, you know, and that he died. He died with my sister and I at his bedside holding his hand. In that moment I wasn't thinking about the man that abandoned me or the man that hurt my mother and made her cry. I didn't think about what my life could have been like if he would have stayed. I just thought, my father, I have to help him. He needs me. So I forgave him. And I was set free. Father, forgive him, but he did not know what he was doing. He tried his best. He's a bad father. But I love him anyway. Forgiveness is possible as we've received the forgiveness that God has bestowed upon us. And that forgiveness overflows into the lives of those who have harmed us. So, as we pray this prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive those uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. What we're praying is, God, I'm going to cancel the debt on them, just like you canceled the debt on me. Because forgiven people forgive. Now, two things. This lands on so many people in so many different ways, so I'm going to try to, try to help us through this. One, I want to I want to speak firstly to those of you who are listening to this message and want to use this message like a club um, to those in your life to make them forgive you so you could feel better about yourself. That is a demonic response to this message. So if you have a wife that's next to you, you have a husband that's next to you, if you have a kid that's next to you, if you have a... Well, Pastor Edwin said you got to forgive. you got to... Let me tell you something. When you do that, when you do that, you harm them twice. When you harm someone and then demand that they forgive you and then say, well, if you don't forgive, that's on you. What you've done is you've wounded them Twice. And I would argue that the second wound is greater than the first. Don't do that. Don't do that. 
So, don't have a demonic response to this message. For those of you who are in Christ and want to live this message, you want to see this, this scripture lived out in your life. You want to, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You want to live that out. I encourage you, don't stop with the four that we just talked about. Don't stop there. Don't stop with, God, I'm going to meditate on your forgiveness of me and your sending your son to die on the cross for my sin, rising from the dead to secure my salvation, sending the Holy Spirit to live inside of me so I can be strengthened and encouraged. Don't stop there. Don't stop at who owes me. Write their names down. Put them on that marble notebook, one per page. And then, you know, what do they owe me? Write down all that they owe you. Do that. Then um, cancel the debt. Say, now, at this point of canceling the debt, depending on how long you've been wounded or you've been bitter or you've been hurt by them, is the level of creativity you're going to have to use. Is the level of creativity you're going to have to use to express your forgiveness of them. Here's what I mean. I was doing this very same thing around a bunch of years ago, five, six, four years ago, I don't know, a bunch of years ago, uh, God miraculously gave me and my wife a cruise, and it was really cool. It was a gift from God. I paid nothing for it. It was amazing. Well, I'm on the boat, and God is dealing with my heart about forgiveness. I was like, this is a heck of a place to be dealing with such a heavy subject. But I took a piece of paper, and I did everything that I just told you guys. I followed the Lord, and I just kind of followed his direction in doing I wrote down who it was, what they owed me. And, and there was this point where I just opened it up. And, I mean, I had, right, lots of stuff, right? I had four main people, but lots of stuff on the pages. And I just, I took out my pen and I wrote, Debt canceled. You don't owe me anymore. So it's like all this stuff, I just, I wrote it across the pages. Debt canceled. But then I had the piece of paper and we were in the ocean and so I needed something dramatic because these, these weren't small wounds, you understand. These were big deals. So the Lord brought to mind that scripture. That says, though you're, uh, I'll throw your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. The, the Father speaks to his people and says, I'll throw your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Which doesn't mean that God forgets because and then God wouldn't be all-knowing. God is all-knowing. It just means that he won't bring it up again. And isn't that good news? And so I had the paper in my hand. And I stood at the back of the boat. We were going, and it was a late night, and it was a cloudy night, and there was no stars, and there was no moon, and it was as dark as it could be. It was as black as you could imagine past the light of, the, you know, like the boat has like these lights. And, and, but after that, you couldn't see a thing. And so I stood there, and I said, I'm going to throw. It's the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And so if I want to dig this stuff up again, it's going to be hard to find this. So I just, so I stood there, and I had the paper in my hand, it's like, oh man, this is not fair. They have not paid for their crime against me. They owe me. And God let me have my little rant and, 
And then at the end, there's just, what are you going to do? You going to hold on to it? So, I let it go. And it flew in the air, and it disappeared into the night. Now, I've thought about those offenses since then. You understand that, that like, it wasn't like a snap and now, oh my gosh, I never think about the people who hurt me. But I'm reminded when I think of the offenses, I'm reminded of the gratitude that I have to the God who forgave me to the overflowing extent that that forgiveness could be overflowed on others' lives. Now their offense, what the devil meant for evil, God will use for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So now their offenses, their offenses help me to grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ, reminding me of the great love of the God who would send his son to die for my sins. Some of you are going to have to do something creative like that. If you have a backyard, some of you might have to dig a hole, you know, and then take your paper or your book. It might have to be, a di- you know, books, right? And so you might, have to, you might have to put it and then put dirt on it and take two little popsicle sticks and make a cross out of them and just put it right there. And when you're tempted to think about it, I want you to look out the kitchen window and go, oh, right, because he's forgiven me. And my, that forgiveness has overflowed into the gospel, has overflowed in my heart into their lives. Some of you, you might have to do this in community, you know? You might have to have a, hey, let's have a debt-canceling party, right? And you might have to invite some people over and, you know, right, be as safe as you can, but, be, you know, right, you know, do it in the bathtub, fill it up with water, and everybody, each one, put each one on fire and just throw it in the tub and let it burn there. And... Or maybe some of you are going to have to have it shredded, and, and go to the top of your building or something like that and just let it go. Or to a shore on the ocean, you know, somewhere on a beach or something. Just put it in a bottle and send it. I don't know. I know that the longer you have, the longer that you have the wound, the longer that you have the bitterness, the more creative you're probably going to have to be in order to be reminded that you've let that thing go. So let's review what we learned. Forgiven people forgive. And because God has called us to pray and forgive us our debts as we've forgiven those, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors, we're reminded of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how we're forgiven. And that overflows into the who has hurt us, what they've done to us, We've canceled their debt. And then finally, do it on a daily basis. You know that tomorrow somebody's going to offend you. You know that, right? Somebody's going to be late. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings. Somebody's going to say something that's not nice to you. Your husband's going to hurt you. Your wife's not going to do right. Whatever it is, that's going to happen. And you can do the exact same thing. That tomorrow, you say, I'm not carrying this with me. I, I, I didn't leave those big deals back there. I didn't, I didn't address those big deals back there to carry some new ones, to make room for new ones. Not doing that. And so every day as you're harmed, every day as you're wounded, every day as people sin against you, 
You're reminded of the gospel. You're reminded of who they are until it overflows on who they are, what they've done, and how you're going to cancel their debt. I pray that for you. I do. So this week, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be praying. Forgive us our death prayers. And it's in your bulletin, and we have the left column shows you exactly how to pray. Upward, inward, outward, upward. And so I encourage you to follow this along in your daily prayers. You can make notes on the side. But I encourage you, you can be free. You can be free. And I encourage you to be. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you so much for your word. It's so counterintuitive. It's not something I would think up. It's not something that I would do. It's not something that I would... Yeah, it's not something that I could make up. And so, Lord, I pray that you forgive us like we forgive others because we forgive others the way you've forgiven us. I pray that that's our story. I pray that you would work this deeper in our hearts, to work the gospel deeper in our hearts. I pray that you would move in our lives to such a degree so that we might be able to just worship you and honor you even in the most painful places of our lives. Lord, I pray that that's, I pray that that's, our, that's our story. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.